What's up, everybody? I'm so pumped about my guest today. His name is Andre Speaker, and he pastors Masvida Church in Mexico. Masvida has 15 campuses, and it is a global church, and so we're going to get so much out of the podcast today. We're going to be talking about how to have healthy patterns, rhythms, anchors in your life so you can lead efficiently from a simple life. Today, I'm so pumped to have a good friend, Andre Speaker, with me. What's up, Andre? Hey, man. So good to be here. Do people call you Andres or Andre? Andres. Andres. But for your American friends. Andres. Andres. <laughs> <laughs> no slack. That's right. I even have to roll the R's. Dude, my pastor calls me Andreas. And I'm like, I, he's too old for me to correct him now. He's the only person I won't correct. <laughs> Andreas, like, yes, sir. Yeah, whatever. Yes, sir. So does anybody get away with calling you Andy? Um, no. No. Only only <laughs> childhood friends. If, if they've known me uh, since when I was five, it's okay. Okay. So, but for me, it's Andres. Yes, sir. Okay, Andres. Um, Pastor Andres. <laughs> so Andres pastors uh, Mas Vida Church in Mexico. In Mas Vida. Uh, when did Mas Vida begin? So Mas Vida originally began, uh, began as Abundant Life or Vida Abundante in 1984 with my parents in Morelia. And um, my dad, you know, founded it, pastored it for about uh, 20 years. And in 2005, uh, Kelly and I became senior pastors. And I think in 2010, we changed the name to Mas Vida because there were so many. Oh, you changed the name. Because there were so many Vida Abundantes, Abundant Life in the nation. And the Lord has spoken to us about opening different churches around the nation. And I was like, I don't want to go and like come into a city and be like, I'm abundant life when there's already an abundant life like across the street. So right. out of respect for the body of Christ, I, w I looked for a new name, but I wanted to honor the original name. So Mas Vida means more life. And so I honored abundant life. Yeah, that's what we did. Man, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. What did it take courage? Did you feel like uh, that that was a risky move at the time? Yeah, obviously, you know, I mean, people in the city were like, man, why did they change the name? You know, they have uh, fiscal problems or whatever, you know, kind of thing. But um, our church our church took it real well. Um, a lot of people still call it Vida Abundante for about 10 years, you know. Um, but it... Um, <laughs> kept calling it the wrong name. <laughs> yeah. But it's perfect, you know. I mean, it works now. It, it, um, and I think it's become a very strong name. So, so uh, ironically... Bethany, uh, Bethany started in 1963, mm -hmm. and uh, Bethany has always been called Bethany. At one point, it was called Bethany Baptist Church, not because we were Baptist, just because my grandfather was a Baptist pastor, and uh, when he started Bethany, he was like, well, you know, this is all I've ever known, so he called it Bethany Baptist Church until it became abundantly clear that we were not Baptist. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so then we lost the last part of that name. Uh, and then when my dad began pastoring, he had a real passion for world missions and for prayer. So he changed the name to Bethany World Prayer Center. Oh, wow. And we built a prayer center to pray for the world. And, and uh, many of my early memories were in that prayer center. Uh, and then when I became pastor, I was like, man, it's so everybody got the name wrong. People would say, it's so good to be at Bethany Outreach World Headquarters. You know, <laughs> people didn't know how to say it. So I was like, we're just going to be Bethany Church. Nice. And uh, But ironically, when I took the leadership of the church in 2011, um, I felt like we needed a new name. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I don't know if, if that was just 
people telling me, you know, Bethany needs to be fresh again. It needs to have a new life. And so I, I thought about changing the name and I was on the cusp of changing the name. I'm not even going to say what I was going to change the name to because it was, <laughs> it was really bad. It was a horrible idea. And, uh, thankfully God stopped me. And that's why we were still able to call Bethany, Bethany. But if I could have kept the same name, that will not, I would have, I just didn't, couldn't, couldn't do it in good, uh, you know, good faith because of where we were going. No, Mosvita um, is incredible, and and, it, and I didn't even know that you guys had an earlier name. And it honors so. the name, you know. Yeah. But I think Bethany is so strong, and just the name Bethany is great. Okay, but but this is this is hysterical. So my grandfather, he was forty four when he started the church, so it's probably like close to your age, right? Uh huh. Um, so he started Bethany, and he pastored it for twenty years, and um, my father pastored it for twenty eight years, and. When I became pastor, I felt like, okay, if I'm going to keep this name, I want to know the significance of the name. So why Bethany? I know that you know this is a biblical city. Mm -hmm. It means house, uh, house of bread. Uh, it it uh, also was a place Jesus loved to go he, to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' mm -hmm. house. Okay, so all these possible ideas. So my grandfather was in, on his deathbed. So he was in this uh, retirement home, and he was just super feeble week and I went in one day and I was talking to him I said Papa you got to tell me like why Bethany why give me the significance of the name Bethany and uh, he said well we were just a few of us we were around the living room and I said well if we're going to gather we need a name and somebody said what about Bethany and we all said that sounds good <laughs> and and I was like, that's, that's awesome. That's it. That's, I love it. That's it. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. Anyway. Some of the best things come in conversations like, hey, that works. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, but man, you and I had a conversation yesterday that I think is super helpful for leaders. And uh, I felt like we just kind of dig into it a little bit. So both you and I lead really busy lives and uh, we travel. Mm -hmm. We have families. We have young kids. Uh, there's a lot of pressures that I don't think people would quite understand unless you do mm -hmm. what we do. Um, but with the chaotic nature of our lives, there's this super important uh, principle of finding a rhythm yep. and finding like predictability, finding in a word we used was anchors mm -hmm. um, just in our lives and you know, for our emotional well-being, yep. for our mental well-being, for our physical well-being. And uh, I think in in our culture, people run so hard, many just chasing money, uh, chasing fame, chasing all this stuff, and, and they, they burn out. Their marriages give way. They lose their families. And it's because they didn't have a sense of healthy rhythm or healthy yep. anchors. And so I feel like you model that really well in, mm -hmm. in just our... In, in, in our friendship, mm -hmm. things that I've noticed about you is that uh, I can sense that there are boundaries and there are guards around certain things in your life that you want to keep safe. Right. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about your journey in discovering that you need this? Yeah, I mean, I obviously, you know, my, my pastor, Paul Johansson, 86 years old, he's always, you know, modeled... Uh, what your dad has also talked about, you know, uh, his morning devotions and just a lifestyle that's really connected to his wife, to his family. And so you have this guy that's like, you know, traveling around the world, 
doing amazing work for Jesus. And at the same time, he's just an everyday guy who just prays and eats breakfast with his wife and, you know, has this rhythm in the morning. And I'm like, man, you know, how do you do that? So for a while, when, when I, when I started out in ministry, actually when, when it became sort of successful, I was just going, 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 going. So I had very good rhythm when, when uh, first got married, had kids, you know, play soccer with my kids every day and have a prayer life and uh, had a rhythm even with fasting and exercise and kind of, and then it just, it got so crazy. I mean, I was traveling so much, so often, plus all the work at home, plus all the work at church, plus, you know, being a friend or being whatever. And it was just so crazy. So when I was like 36, 37, I basically hit a wall emotionally. And um, I had a, a couple of panic attacks that I'd, I'd never had in my life. Wow. It, um, contrary to most people who have either a, an anxiety bout or a panic attack, for me it was a real huge wake-up call because when my mom was 35, she actually uh, um, developed a bipolarity. And so I saw that happen in my mom and what that transpired for my family and for my dad and for everybody. And I was determined I was not going to let that uh, rule over my life. And so I, I could see now, you know, now older that my mom had some signs early on that she could have really heated to and somehow she didn't. And so she just let it basically go full, you know, steam ahead with her mental illness. And so I, you know, I think we all have tendencies in our, um, in our, in our mind, in our emotions to become unhealthy. I don't think you can say, Oh, I'm, I don't have that problem in my family. Right. Because, because a uh, mental um, illness or emotional illness or unhealthiness um, shows itself in different ways for different people. You know, you can become addicted to money, addicted to substance, addicted to whatever, all kinds of stuff, or you can just lose your motivations. Uh, you can lose grip of your everyday life and um, you become this celebrity and you, you know, you, you lose touch with your family, that kind of stuff. So, um, but it's all part of unhealthiness in your emotions and your mind and your body. That kind of, so when I turned 36, 37 and I have these, uh, you know, anxiety things and panic, I took it really seriously. I mean, I was like, nope, this is not going to happen the rest of my life. And I became violent about it. Mm. And so I actually, I asked my board, I said, look, I can preach, you know, so many Sundays a month and I cannot go to the office, be at a meeting. I can't see anything administrative. I can't, I can't one more meeting. I need six months where I don't have to be in the office at all. And they gave that to me, and I just focused on, uh, you know, I went to counseling, and then I just focused on developing a, a prayer rhythm, exercise rhythm, and a family rhythm, meals, and and with my wife, and, and, and reading. Those are the four things I did. I'm, I'm going to just invest in reading, and uh, praying, doing exercise, and my family. That's what I did for six, seven months. Wow. And And, you know got into vitamins and eating healthy. I cut down um, sodas. I cut down all kinds of unhealthy stuff and food in my life. And in six months, I was able to get myself back together. Wow. Um, and it's, you know, I, I understand everybody's story is different. But for me, I understood if I'm going to be healthy in my mind and my emotions and my spirit the rest of my life, I got to have uh, certain anchors, as we were calling it, 
to my life that, that make me feel normal, healthy, and connected, grounded to, to everyday life. So for me, now it's a prayer walk every morning. You know, I read my Bible, and then I go for a prayer walk, and I put my earphones on, and I worship, and I pray through the Lord's Prayer. It's become a real, like, you know, solemn, awesome, easy encounter in a way because it's a five-kilometer walk, and I just, you know, go through the whole thing. I do that every day. Um, before I had a hernia, I would do a gym routine, and now I'm, as soon as my hernia is done healing, I'm going to uh, go back to my gym routine after that. And so those are two things I do in the morning. And... Um, I have lunch and dinner every day with my with my wife and my family. I, uh, you know, there's just certain things in my life that I that I will not negotiate with because it makes me normal, connected to God, connected to my family, and connected to my health. Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of like a, a muscle. Uh, everybody has a limit to what they can do with a muscle. Mm -hmm. uh, you put me under a bench press with. Uh, over 100 pounds, I'll be fine. Put 200 pounds there, and, yeah. and I'll be struggling. 300, I'll pop something, yep. you know, um, or die trying, you know, to, to get yeah. the thing up. And I think all of us have emotional and mental uh, breaking points. Mm -hmm. And even people who don't feel like they have it, they definitely have it. Yep. And there's that, like, there's that breaking point. And you can only handle so much pressure. You yep. can only handle so much. Uh, and for leaders, for pastors, um, especially and there's a social pressure. Uh, there's a demand for content, for communication. Uh, you're balancing vision, but also balancing home. And there's so much pressure. So it's like you can't afford not to have what we're talking about. Yeah. And I mean, and, and you know, I started to realize I don't have to be disconnected from my family or disconnected from life or disconnected from friends or disconnected from church to come up with great content. My content is found in my connection with my family. It's yeah, found in my connection. That's connection. awesome. Yeah. Like, talk about that. Instead of seeing it as a dual thing where, it's like, if I'm with my family, that's a, um, a separate thing altogether, instead of ministering from that place. Yeah, like, I understand that we have time management. And so, you know, you're at the office for a few hours and you're at home for a few hours. But you don't, it's not like you. Um, you're limited to become a great preacher or pastor because you have small kids or because you have a, a demanding life at home. That actually makes you a great preacher if you know how to harness, harness it and have it feed into who you are. So, so for me, most of the things that God uses to speak to me, break me, change me, are, are a lot of things that happen in my everyday life. And so if I'm real with God about those things and I'm real with my family about that, I can actually use that as communication power, you know, in my life. And um, I'm trying to find an example uh, of that. Uh, you know, for example, one of the things is I'm a very perfectionistic guy. Okay, I'm a recovering perfectionistic <laughs> perfectionist and um and so one of the things that i really battle with is being able to eat with my family at the dining room table without telling them how to eat okay <laughs> <laughs> like dude you're, you're holding your fork the wrong way you're chewing the right it's it's i almost have to turn off my brain or look the other way in order to enjoy my family at a meal without having to direct their every step on how they eat, right? So <laughs> that's funny. So last year, for example, 
um, uh, my wife is like, we just had a pandemic. We're eating every single meal together, you know, uh, for weeks on end. And my, <laughs> my wife is like, after third week, she's like, listen, if you don't stop that, I am not eating with you ever again. <laughs> I'm like, but somebody has to teach him. Well, she's like, do it at another time. Do not ruin our family meal. Bro, that is funny. <laughs> that is really funny. Oh, so I, I, next morning, I have my prayer walk. Right, I have my <laughs> prayer walk next morning after this conversation with my wife, and I'm praying, and I'm walking, and uh, I get to the point where, you know, it's um, thy kingdom come. So I'm like, I'm praying for the kingdom of the Lord to come, and I always, you know, pray for the kingdom in my family. And I'm, I'm like, you know, give me humi humility and, and meekness, and I, I want to follow you well. I'm like, yeah, and, you know, what, what do you think about what Kelly said? You know, yes, I'm, I'm just talking to the Lord like that, you know, like, am I right? Is she right? What's going on? And God's like, shut up. <laughs> He's like, you need to listen to your wife and enjoy your kids. You're not going to have them forever. Mm. Uh, it's better to eat with them and them have a fun time with you, and you love them than to correct every move they make, you know? And I was just broken. Like, I was crying, dude. I know I know, it's, oh, like, God. super simple, but I'm crying in my prayer walk, you know, and I'm, like, I'm repenting before Jesus and that guy. So I've been on a, in, in a recovery at lunchtime where more and more I'm trying to keep my mouth shut and actually enjoy the conversation with my kids. Now, that makes me a better person, a better preacher, because I'm broken, I'm submitted, I have stories to tell, I'm <laughs> real. You definitely have stories to tell. <laughs> but my point is, I hear pastors all the time, how do you, you know, and it's because my kid, and it's because this, and it's because that. Well, first, if you manage time well, and then don't stress about the normal rhythm of life, but actually harness it. It's who you are. You you are you. Your part. Your kids are part of you. Your wife is part of you. Your exercise. Your your golfing. If you golf, I, I you know, I, I'm trying to learn it. Or you write a more whatever it is. It's not a <clears throat> okay. So a lot of guys, for example, their their way to cope with pressure is always blowing steam off. Mm. They say, "Oh, I'm blowing steam off." You know, and so I need to, I don't know, do this trip, right? I need to go there or just, and what happens is that you start doing very unhealthy things with the excuse of blowing steam off. Mm. And I, I don't think there's a bad thing to blow steam off. I, I, I like riding my motorcycle, you know, I like getting into a Jeep and going up the mountain and I, and I have space for that. But I'm not like, oh, I need to blow steam off. I, it's not, be, why? If you're be, living at that point of pressure to where you have to blow steam, that just shows that there's a lot of pressure yes. building up instead of living at a pace where there's not all that And I would pressure. say this. I would say there's things that entertainment, which I think is a healthy dose of entertainment, riding a motorcycle, hanging out, riding your Jeep, golf, and whatever. There's, there's things that entertainment will do for your soul, but there's things that entertainment cannot feed your soul like a healthy rhythm with Jesus and your family can. Yeah, I agree. Totally. And so if you're only depending on the entertainment factor to feed your soul. It's coping. It's coping. It's, it's not actually health. Yeah, it's tr it's just like using medicine or something to cope. Yeah. You're using this thing to cope. But, you know, what I think is amazing uh, about you is you're accomplishing a lot. Like... It's not like you live this life of peace and rest and, and, and what suffers is the vision. No. Because you guys now, 15 campuses yep. around the world now. You just mm -hmm. started a, a new campus in Venezuela. Yep. This is an international church. Um, it's not like you're not producing. Right. 
but you're just producing from a place of peace. Yep. And you know, and I've no, I've noticed I've been to Mexico twice with you guys at your church, and just watching you from a from a distance, I can tell that there is just a healthy life pattern. Mm. You know of what of what you're saying. There's just mm. these these principles, and you're not just in a frenzy trying to accomplish a yeah. whole lot. And it's like the fruitfulness comes out of that place of peace. So, for example, for for me, um, you know, Eugene Peterson wrote, writes this book called The Pastor. Yeah, I love that book. You know, he sort of bashes us mega church yeah, pastors. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but I love the fact. I was thinking, man, I would love. I would love. I love the simpleness of uh, what he's talking about about a pastor's life. And one of my one of my things is, can I be a mega church pastor with that simplicity? It, it, and it's not that I want to be a mega church pastor; it's that God has positioned me. It's not it's, my obsession is not to become a mega church pastor. Right. I'm a mega church pastor just because it's God's will, and He positioned me that way, and that's what He wants for our lives. But I don't think He wants for my life to have a mega church pastor lifestyle. Right. I need to have a simple lifestyle because that's how Jesus lived. Mm operated and so it, i and i think that Dude, i need to we're i, I totally agree with you mm. i'm like I've, i i knew i had a kindred heart with you but that's how i that's how i perceive mm. life it's like man i've got to be simple i don't see the early church leaders paul peter these different guys living just super high profile nope. lives where it's like tons of pressure tons of uh, I honestly, I, you know, when Jesus said, if you want to be a leader, the greatest among you is going to be the servant. It's like, you're going to be, you're going to, you're going to lift others. You're going to be, uh, and, and there is a certain lifestyle that comes with that. And it doesn't mean it's not a vow of poverty or a vow of, uh, it's just, I, I, okay. The best way to say it is Philippians two, uh, that Christ put on, like he, he left something and he put on this humility. Yeah. He put on, and, and you have to intentionally put on yeah. a lifestyle that's less than what you could do, yeah. less than what you could be. And it's just, it's an intentionality to like. Like, I mean, I, I, could, I could travel more often and make more money off honorariums. Yeah. I could, you know, do all kinds of stuff. And, but it will, it will break something in my life. Yeah. It'll break something in my life. Uh, and my ministry and, and my, so anyway, other guys can do it and more power to them. I have no judgment for that, but I, I want, I can, I like a simple lifestyle. I like rhythm. I like being able to meditate. I like to be able to watch the sunset. I am, um, if, if I'm in Morelia, you know, I, I know which coffee, coffee shop to go to. I, I have friends that I hang out with that will go and, and just uh, cook a, you know, grill meat outside uh, five minutes outside, like in the, in the, in the mountain. If I'm in Mexico city, I go to the same coffee shop every morning after my prayer walk with my two dogs and have, and have the same people wouldn't think that about me because of the profile of, of, of uh, church we have or ministry we have. But my lifestyle is super simple, super just every day, you know, rhythms, this, that. And, and why? Because that's what I need. That's what I, I love, you know? Okay, so what I perceive about you just from from the time we've been able to spend together is that you're a thinker. Like mm -hmm. it, like you're very in in to a possibly a fault. Like yep. you can get up here and just like Constantly. just go. Yep. Uh and but it's like you've almost adopted this lifestyle as a way to to soothe the crazy of uh, it's it, you know what I'm saying it's yeah. it's it's a you've learned you yeah, you've learned like this is mm -hmm. how I tick, mm -hmm. but in order for me to handle mm -hmm. what's in front of me, I mm -hmm. have to choose this lifestyle. Yep. And um, 
Yeah, you have to become a master at yourself in a way. You, you need a master's degree in who you are. Right. So obviously we all need a doctorate degree in who God is, but we need a master's degree in who we are in the sense that I, I, knowing God is the best way to knowing ourselves. And it's not just because that's how we get to know ourselves, but it's so important to know who you are because then you're able to do things within the limits of who you are. You know, we, we were sitting here at a podcast table that would probably sit for maybe six people. If we were to want to have a meal here for 20 people, this, this would not, it would not be cool. Right. Right. And so I need to know what kind of person I am, what kind of personality I have so that I can best serve and set the table for the people around me. Mm. And not wanting to, you know, I'm, I'm not a banquet table. Maybe I'm a coffee shop table. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. It's not a bad thing. It's just knowing who you are, your limits, and what you're, you know, set up to do. And and so if God wants me to be a, 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 a pastor of a church in different countries, I'm like, okay, God, I can't say no to you, but these are my limits. I, I need to do it from a place of having a prayer walk, having a simple lifestyle. If you can, If you can do that through me, then go for it, yeah. you know, but, yeah. I, but I can't break myself. Right. Well, I love who you are, man. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's awesome. I think w one time I was with you, you told me about a book and uh, it was basically the Enneagram. What, do you remember the name of the book? Yeah, yeah, The Road Back to You. Road Back to You. Okay, so I bought the book and I read it and never understood Enneagram <laughs> until then. And I read it Yeah. and it really helped me. It was it's a, very it was helpful. A, it's a great book, but yeah. it just... You know, it modeled to me that you are learning you, yeah, and you're you're learning how to to lead this life in a in a good way. And for example, even the enneagram thing, I had to sort of graduate from being a slave to the enneagram too. Okay, so what enneagram are you? Okay, I'm a I'm a one with a two. Okay, so I'm a two with a three. Exactly, I can yeah. see that completely. Yeah, completely. I'm, a, I'm a helper. Yeah. <laughs> You're a helper with um, with uh, the performer. Yeah, helper with performer. So it's funny. a good thing that you're not. It, 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 I mean, yeah. Anyway, so I read the book. Okay, and and when you when you read the book, you understand all this stuff, and and it's it, it's different than taking a test. If you take a test, you don't know how to answer some things, and, and you know I'm not good at taking tests because I get confused. What, what I what I am, but when I read the book, it described these different personalities, and I'm like, I totally identify with this. Like, there's right. no question. So I told my wife, I'm two, I'm two wing three, and she was like, No, you're not. You're three wing two. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just telling you, I don't identify with. This. <laughs> my wife informed me what my personality was, but yeah, because so, I, I originally read read a description to my wife, and I, I think I'm this, and she's like, No, you're not. Yeah. No way. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I was like uh what was it uh, an eight or a nine or something like that. She's like, no, I thought I was a five, you know, like the the yeah. the, the guy who um analyzes everything. Yeah. And, and she's like, no, you're not. And so I kept reading and and thinking. I got to the one and I read one. She's like, yep, you're exactly that. <laughs> so so what is one wing two? So I know we're way off topic, but well, I, I know <laughs> I know one one is one is a perfectionist. Okay. Um, you know, the justice guy, right. he, he's committed to, you know, doing, doing things right, making things right with a two. So I'm a one with a two. So I think that's why we, we get along because of the two thing. Yeah. That, you know, we're always uh, focused on helping and stuff. And um, yeah, uh, but I, but I, I had to like graduate from, I think a lot of be people become slaves to the Enneagram. 
Well, you know, people think it's demonic. There's so <laughs> people send me think, stuff like I think like Marcus that. here thinks it's demonic. I'm looking at his eyes. <laughs> I knew Enneagram sounds like pentagram. Or something. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just, so I had to graduate from that because if not, you're like, oh, am I actually, you know, uh, exemplifying my number right or not? What is this? Oh, well, wow. why think that or not think that? Or why am we creating? And so I think it's good to know, and it gives you a frame reference, and it helps you sort of un understand, okay, I'm not crazy. There's actually more people like me, but that doesn't define me. Right. Jesus, my family, and me, that defines me. Hmm. And um, so, yeah. Well, dude, you are the man. Thank you for taking the time to talk. And, uh, so much good stuff came out. I think overall, if you're listening, I, the biggest encouragement that uh, Andres, uh, I, I you're getting with, it. You're yeah, getting it. That the biggest encouragement we have for you is, um, don't be scared to live a simpler life. Mm. Don't feel like you have to put on uh, an image of like a superhero. Mm. You know, find strength in simplicity. Mm. Uh, also, find strength in rhythm. Find strength in, and 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 it's not complicated. No, it's, and we're talking about simple things. We're Look, talking about spiritual, emotional, you know, mental, physical, family, family type stuff. And you figure out, man, yep. what can I just anchor myself in with these things that give me predictability, give me simplicity. And, and, and a lot of people are hung are hungry to achieve that they think they need to become complicated to achieve greatness. Well, the, uh, one of the pastors that I admire a lot, his name is Andres Corson, name of, in, in Colombia. His church, was, you know, when I met him, it was 10,000, grew to like 42,000 of butts and seats. Mm. And right now he opened simultaneously another five campuses. He's probably at 60 to 70,000 butts and seats a week. Plus, he has the greatest online following YouTube channel in all the, the whole continent his church has the biggest subscriber wow. uh and and you know it, it just it's amazing it really is amazing i mean it's they're, they're i would think they're the biggest church right now in latin america mm. okay the guy is the simplest guy a pastor could be and i'm looking at that and i'm seeing guys wanting to achieve greatness trying to complicate their lives their family their health their everyday and and they they're not near as great as somebody like Corson is. And Corson does his own breakfast in the morning, you know, goes ride his bike every morning, simple guy, yeah. uh, uh, you know, cleans the kitchen for his wife. Like I've been there, you know, yeah. at his house. Yeah. And I'm saying, man, you know what? Greatness doesn't come out of complicated lives. Greatness comes out of purpose, lived the, living the life that God has called you to live, you know, in your everyday. So, and not to mention longevity. Longevity, Because that's, exactly. you know, you can go nuts and blow up and you'll blow up. Right. Yep. It's, it's, it's like you and I both want to be doing what we're doing until the Lord yeah. takes us or until we have, has a different plan right. for us. And longevity is everything. And the only way you get longevity is simplicity. Yes, sir. Anchors. I so, love you, man. You're doing an amazing uh, job here at the church with your family. I love the fact that you ride a mortar home <laughs> yeah. and you pull your pickup truck. When you were home and you go different parts of the United States. When when you said that, when we were when we had dinner, I think it was with Kelly a while back, I told Kelly, this guy is my guy. I was like, this is 
that's what I want to do. <laughs> and she's like, I don't want to ride a ho- motorhome. I'm like, well, <laughs> Jesus will speak to you. <laughs> hey, dude, it is a cool lifestyle. I mean, you talk about forget the world. You get there on a, on a country road on a motorhome with kids going nuts. In the, I mean, it's just it's the best. And I love that you do that. Yeah. And I love that you model and that. And we, we both ride motorcycles. So we yes, have, sir. but so does every other person in their 40s, right? <laughs> Suffering from midlife crisis. <laughs> All right, Andres, you the man. And for everybody listening, uh, check out our podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. And uh, we'll see you next week.